0: Welcome to the Legal Toolkit, bringing you the latest legal trends and business initiatives to help you manage your law firm. Here are your hosts, experienced lawyers, writers, and entrepreneurs, Heidi Alexander and Jared Correa. You're listening to Legal Talk Network.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Legal Toolkit here on the Legal Talk Network. Now that this season of Archer's over, I'm looking for stuff to do, so I figured why not record one of these podcasts. If you're a returning listener of the show, welcome back. If you're a first-time listener, hopefully you'll become a long-time listener. I'm your host, Jared Correa, and in addition to casting this pod, I'm also the Assistant Director and Senior Law Practice Advisor with the Massachusetts Law Office Management Assistance Program. That's a mouthful, so we shorten it to LOMAP. We provide free and confidential law practice management consulting services to Massachusetts attorneys. For more information on LOMAP's offerings, visit our website at masslomap.org. Our annual marketing conference is June 5th in Boston and live via webcast. For the program agenda and registration information, check out our website. If you're a Legal Toolkit listener, select the co-sponsoring organization option to get a discount attendance rate. On the Legal Toolkit, we provide you each month with a new tool to add to your own Legal Toolkit so that your practices will become more and more like best practices. You got me this month? Next month, we'll have Heidi Alexander. And of course, this episode of Legal Toolkit will have a bunch of useful tips for you as well. And today we're going to talk about how big firms are embracing modern marketing methods, which discussion will also hopefully yield some useful tips for solo and small firm attorneys. Now, walking us through this landscape will be Jennifer O'Leary-Cathell, Cathel, is the e-marketing, design, and brand manager at Edwards-Wildman Palmer LLP, where she conceptualizes, produces, and enforces the visual identity for the firm's brand. She oversees the creation, design, and production of all Edward Wildman marketing materials, including websites, blogs, and videos. She's been with Edwards-Wildman for 16 years, having previously worked with the Warren Group which is the publisher of the popular magazine, Banker and Tradesman. And she's also done a stint as a radio newscaster. So maybe she should be the one hosting this show. In any event, uh, welcome to the show, Jennifer.
2: Thanks for having me, Jared.
1: So this is great. So let's dive in. Your firm recently did a, a complete marketing reboot, and you released a new website in particular in October 2013. And you've already won some awards for that, including from the New England Marketing Association's New England branch. This represents your third complete rebranding since you've been at the firm. So this is a process you've gone through before. You've rebranded out of necessity because there have been mergers, and you've rebranded of your own volition, in fact, as well. You've just made marketing upgrades over the course of time. So let me ask you, having gone through all those rebrands, which is easier?
2: <laughs> well, I don't think either one is, is easy, Jared. Both have their <laughs> share of complications. For sure. I think mergers tend to force change more quickly and decisions are made more quickly, but there's also less time for the back and forth discussions, the should we or shouldn't we conversations. You have a timeline, a long list of items that need to be accomplished, and you just go and get them done. When rebranding on our own timeline, the process, well, it tends to be much more detailed. There's more time for research. There's more time to survey lawyers and clients for suggestions and get their feedback, and there's. There's more time for those decisions to be made, but therein lies the challenge. It sometimes can be more difficult to keep the momentum and to move forward with a project when there isn't an urgent deadline approaching, and it can make it harder for the responsible group to keep focused and focused on the task at hand as there are plenty of other opportunities that can come in and distract you from the end goal. So in the end, I truly don't think one is any easier than the other. Personally, I love the energy involved with merger projects. I feel as though I do some of my best work under pressure. I guess you could say I'm a rip-the-band-aid-off kind of gal.
1: <laughs> so I guess what I should have asked was which is less hard.
2: <laughs> which is less hard? And, and my answer would be the same. I don't think any is less hard, Jared. They're, they're both complicated.
1: I, I understand. Uh, and, and you're right. The long-range planning is difficult, especially for law firms. As you probably know, a lot of lawyers aren't the best business managers.
2: (laughs) Um, It it gets a little political, you know, and (laughs) the more time you have, the more time they have to, you know, change direction or, you know, it it brings its own set of challenges.
1: Yeah. And and another challenge that you have is that you work for a really gigantic international law firm and the size of the project that you're talking about with the rebranding is really on a grand scale. Where do you even begin to work on a project like that?
2: You know, you really have to start before you even see the starting line. Um, We spend a lot of time on a regular basis analyzing trends and analytics and website behavior, our competition, our clients, and what's happening in markets literally around the world. Um, And all of that information really helps prepare us for any new marketing initiative. So once the decision is actually made to move forward with the project, we're already one step ahead and prepared with some of the basic information we need in order to make smart, informed decisions, but dealing with different bar association rules and and different regulations in different (laughs) countries is always a little bit of a challenge.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm sure that's that's a lot to manage, certainly. So what we talked about before was that you released your new website, and I'm interested in talking to you a little bit more about that. Even with the proliferation of social media these days and how many people are using that, including lawyers, I think that most businesses, including law firms, use their website as their marketing hub. So, how did you decide on a website platform, and what other technologies did you integrate into your website that might be of interest to solo and small firm lawyers?
2: Yeah, I think you know you really have to look big picture, and and you really have to understand your firm's specific needs and objectives. Obviously, a larger firm may have um, different needs than a small firm. So, you know, I starting off with what kind of a site do you need do you need it to be a standalone will you need to be able to produce formatted marketing materials from it you know who's your audience how are they going to be viewing your site what's your staffing situation like do you have the capacity to really help build the site in-house and later keep the site maintained or would you prefer to have someone else handle it for you So all of this really leads to the fact that there are people out there who know much more about technology than many lawyers and legal marketers, and finding a good partner to assist you with any type of project like this, I think, is critical at Edwards yep. Wildman we partnered with a company called One North Interactive they're based in Chicago and they specialize in creating websites for service providers and I've been involved in creating many sites that is true but they've been involved with creating hundreds of them so mm-hmm. They've seen on a much greater scale what works and what doesn't, and knowing them and trusting them, we were able to make decisions together. I think a good partner will be able to guide you and help you to see items that you may not have even considered, which really helped set the course for success. And there are great companies out there all over the place. New ones are popping up every day, and some are small and <laughs> some are large. And um, just finding that good partner who will work with you to guide you through the process and help ensure your goals are met, I think, is, is critical.
1: Yeah, and I should say there are some cost-effective website designers out there if, uh, if you're searching. Um, so let me ask you a follow-up question as to that then. Finding a partner is key. Obviously. What do you think about when you're vetting a partner for a website build? Do you have any criteria that you're looking at for them to meet before you hire them? And uh, how do you apply that process?
2: You know, I think it, again, it, it depends on your needs. For us personally, we've had a long relationship with One North. They know our systems. They know our people. They they have a lot of other platforms that, that we're working with. Our blogs are hosted through them. So everything could speak to each other more easily by staying with the same vendor. But when gotcha. vetting new vendors, I think, again, you need to know what your goals are. And you need to know that you're you're really working with someone who, again, that you trust and can rely on to help you meet your end goal, someone who has done it before, you know, someone who understands bar rules and regulations. I think that that for lawyers is is pretty important.
1: That's an important point, yeah. It,
2: it's a very important point in where you are and in what state and how many states. I mean, there are so many things to consider there from visual elements to the language that you use on a page. So, That's pretty key. But also just knowing that you can rely on the person. Reliability, how often are they going to be accessible? How often are you going to need them? Where are Mm -hmm. they located? Are you the type of person who needs to work face-to-face in the same room or having a virtual relationship? Will that work just fine for you? So there is someone for everyone out there. So it's just a matter of identifying what your specific goals are on the onset.
1: Somebody for everybody. Mesh.com mm-hmm. for, uh, for the website design <laughs> vendor.
2: <laughs> that's right.
1: <laughs> so getting the company in place is one thing. Figuring out what your design preferences are going to be is another because the company may be implementing it, but the law firm is going to be making the ultimate decision over what they think looks good. Now, that's a very subjective choice to make. And in a firm as large as yours, how do you get the right people involved to make those design decisions and actually come to a consensus on what you're doing?
2: Yeah, design might be one of the trickiest parts of any type of marketing project, in my opinion, because it is so subjective, but I have found that the safest way for a firm of our size to make decisions on design is really by committee. It's mm. certainly not the easiest way, and it's, there is an easy way. I I haven't found <laughs> it yet, but it's the way we do things. Um, yeah. What we've done and, and continue to do is pull together a group of lawyers who really help represent our firm's geographic and industry sectors. We want to be sure that each segment of our firm feels as though they have a voice in the creation of our site and the projects that we're pulling together. Of course, we have to keep brand and big picture needs in mind. And of course, we do that with every project that we do. But a critical element of creating a committee for projects of this type, I think, is to be sure your committee isn't too big. You want to be sure you have just enough people to be inclusive, but not so many that nothing can ever be decided. And I think it's also kind of good to have an odd number of people on a committee in case you ever have to vote on something.
1: Oh, that's you a good idea. You need a tiebreaker. Tie. That's right. You need right. a tiebreaker. Yeah. <laughs> so simple But, you majority, know, it is, it is really
2: important to know that art and design are completely subjective, as, as you said. And no matter what you yep. decide on, there are going to be people who love it, whereas others will absolutely hate it. So mm-hmm. you, whoever is in charge, needs to be passionate about the decisions you make. And I, I think thick skin can also help.
1: Oh yes, yes, absolutely. And then uh, I think that's a very interesting discussion about setting up a committee and that that works within smaller firms as well. I mean, even if you had a, a firm of 10 attorneys, you could probably easily set up a committee with a few attorneys, maybe some people from the staff to push projects forward. And then I would imagine that at some point things get handed over to the point person to actually implement the design changes. Now, how does that work within your firm?
2: Within our firm, it works the same way. The committee all comes together. We all talk about the different design elements that we're trying to vote on. And then, you know, there, nothing is ever final. You know, I've yet to walk <laughs> into a meeting with some design concepts and walk out with the design concept that's going to be implemented. <laughs> Here at our firm, we have an in-house design department. I have a designer that works for me. She's up in Boston. And, and together, we work through things, which can be a little bit more challenging. Sometimes it's a whole lot easier just to hand it off to an agency and say, here, you know, here's the direction we need you to go in. come back to us when it's done. Mm -hmm. But that also takes a little bit more time and you have a little bit less control. When you do it in-house, there's a little bit more pressure, but you also aren't confined by budget restraints that you may have Mm -hmm. while working with a vendor and you have a little bit more flexibility with how Mm -hmm. things move forward. Sometimes we get to a point where we've exhausted our resources and and we know where we wanna go, but we're not quite there yet with our in-house capabilities and we'll pull in the agency from there. But it really depends on the situation and the project that you're working on.
1: Yep, that makes sense. So here's here's my marketing suggestion for you. Now hear me out. Firm name, right? Edwards Wildman? I think you guys need a mascot. Yes. The Edwards Wildman. How about that? I mean, would you guys consider that?
2: You know, I think we missed the it by not doing this already. We, we could have so much fun with this. It, it could be a campaign all of its own, Jared. I think <laughs> maybe in the future. Maybe in the future.
1: I, that's right. Will you get the mascot outfit? Let me know. I I'll was be the our first person to suit up. Well, see, there you go. It's like a perfect segue. <laughs> <laughs> now, you just got to do it before some minor league baseball team steals the idea. And then you'll be good to go. I'm on it. I'm on it. (laughs) All right, Jennifer. Well, we're off to a real good start for this show, I think. Uh, Sadly, though, we've now got to take a a programming break. But when we come back, we'll have a lot more Big Firm Marketing Insights with Jennifer O'Leary. Now, this is normally the space in our show when we offer words from our sponsors. And this potentially represents a unique opportunity for you. The Legal Toolkit is seeking sponsors. You can hear your advertisement right here. If you're interested, contact the team at LegalTalkNetwork at info at LegalTalkNetwork.com. Now, if you're one of those big-time advertisers that just pulled out of sponsoring the Los Angeles Clippers, we are here for you. Welcome back. We're joined today by Jennifer O'Leary, who is the e-marketing, design, and brand manager at Edwards Wildman Palmer LLP. I'm sitting in the virtual studio here with the Edwards Wildman himself, the firm mascot, which we just established in the last couple minutes. And we're talking with Jennifer about big firm marketing done right. So, Jennifer, you rebranded the firm. Did you end up reusing content or did you just start fresh? And how much does social media end up playing into your new marketing initiatives?
2: Content is always a challenge, but we didn't (laughs) want to take all that was on our old site and then just put it onto the new site, though creating everything from scratch wasn't exactly realistic either, so we met in the middle. We encouraged each and every one of our lawyers to review and edit their biographies. We also gathered a significant number of experience items to load into different sections within our site. Our practice and industry groups were reorganized. And so those descriptions were modified accordingly. But social actually plays a large role with helping to keep our content fresh while also helping us to showcase our knowledge of current events. We built our new site so that it would talk to our firm blogs our blog posts filter into our biographies and practice pages as well as this site search results. Um, So with that feature, fresh content is posted to our site several times a day with little to no additional effort on behalf of our team.
1: So Jennifer, I think you make a good point about how the site has to be integrated. Um, I think most attorneys still think of a website, a blog, social media accounts, as separate buckets, but those, those items really need to talk to each other. And I think it's a particularly good idea you have about getting attorneys to refurbish their bios to create new contents. Attorneys love to talk about each other. So that's a real easy way to get them to uh, update their stuff. Now, let me ask you this, though. Content marketing is sort of a big deal right now. It's a great way for attorneys to establish their expertise. Do you have difficulty getting the attorneys in your firm to provide you with new content? And if so, do you have any tips or tricks, uh, other tips or tricks, I should say, that allows you to sort of allow them to produce some content for you in an easy fashion or not too disruptive to their workflow?
2: We have, I think this is the case with every law firm, big or small, we have lawyers who are phenomenal and really eager to produce new content. And then we have those that we would love to have produce more that really just don't for one reason or another. Either they're too busy or they're not comfortable. For those who love to produce content and produce it often, we often will try to partner them with a lawyer who maybe isn't as good at it or doesn't have enough time to do it, Mm -hmm. and have them co-author pieces. And, And we do that often with some of our younger associates. We'll partner with some more senior partners, and they'll produce materials together. So that's something that we do on a regular basis. It also not only helps us generate content, but it helps build relationships within the firm. So it's a really good tool for associates to, you know, work with their partners. They're still working on legal matters, but outside of their normal daily routine. So it helps strengthen that relationship. I think sometimes the problem that we may have with lawyers is that they may produce a little bit too much at times. When they do tend to write, (laughs) um, we may write a little bit more than what we would encourage a normal (laughs) blog post to have in it for content. That is something that I think, you know, it needs to be addressed in law school. I think lawyers learn to write one way, and it's really hard to break those habits. Mm-hmm. Um, but we try. We try to get them to condense things. And, and I think the younger generation of lawyers is a little bit better at it than some of the more senior lawyers. And, again, partnering those people together. And having them learn from each other and, and grow with one another, I think, is one of the best tools that we have in order to generate fresh content.
1: The buddy system. Who knew? It the works in preschool system. and it works at it, large law firms.
2: <laughs> all I ever really needed to know I learned in kindergarten. It's true. <laughs> all
1: right. So let's, let's get down to brass tacks now. So marketing stuff is great, right? But it costs money especially mm-hmm. when you're talking about a project, the scale of the ones that you're engaged in. So how do you balance your wishes, hopes, and dreams for the marketing of your law firm against the budget constraints that you run up against?
2: It's not easy. I, I think that's clearly the answer that I've had for all of these questions here. Nothing is easy. <laughs> but I think with good planning, everything is possible. I think you know, just making sure that you, you do that advanced planning, you know, have those initial discussions with people internally and with whomever you choose to partner with, that company that you partner with, that's critical. You need to really put a price tag to each item that you wish to include in your project. And then, plan your project in phases. If you really want to move forward with one piece of technology and and it's going to break the bank, maybe you decide to move forward with that, but put some of the lesser needed items on the back burner for the next phase of the project. Not everything has to be done exactly the way you wish for it to be on day one. It's okay Mm -hmm. to save some features for a later date. It helps with managing the budget and it helps you to manage the project as well.
1: That's a good point. A lot of lawyers are into perfectionism, and that's not necessarily what you're going to be achieving with marketing, at least right off the bat.
2: With a website especially, I mean, it's a living, breathing thing. It's constantly evolving, or it should be constantly evolving as you evolve. You know, just because we launched a site in October doesn't mean you, you're you done with it. In many ways, it's like raising a child. There are different phases. You need to nurture it. You need to help it grow, and you need to, you know, add in new functionality as new needs come up. So having that wish list for a later day, a later budget is absolutely something that, that I would encourage anyone to, to do.
1: And plus I have my new mantra, with good planning, anything is possible. Originally I thought that was Ben Franklin or somebody who said that, but it was you the whole time.
2: It was me, it was <laughs> me, yeah.
1: Now you've got some significant experience in the legal marketing industry. So how have things changed in your mind, over the last 16 years?
2: Well, Jared, once upon a time, not so long ago, (laughs) people were able to enjoy nights and weekends. But those days are over, my friend. Um, when I started uh, this was an industry that really wasn 't even certain if it should advertise. You know websites were still questionable. I clearly remember debates as to whether or not they were actually necessary for lawyers and law firms like we 're doing this because somebody says we have to but I don't know that it really is necessary. So clearly times have changed. And marketing in a law firm 16 years ago was very much a a paper and print business. Our firm's website was very simple, just a couple of pages that were maintained by a third party. When changes were needed, we'd send them along. I remember mailing changes, like actual US Postal Service mailing changes to the third party to have them make the changes. And then within a week or two, the site would be updated. That's just not the case anymore. (laughs) You know, (laughs) now change is immediate and and it needs to happen immediately. So, We went from paper and print to having almost everything in a digital environment. Website updates happen immediately. Everyone's on the move. So we have to consider mobile and and other devices like that. So marketing in a law firm today is much more complex than it was 16 years ago. We got much more sleep back then.
1: (laughs) I blame Steve Jobs. God rest his soul.
2: It's all his fault.
1: (laughs) Now... The follow-up question to that, I think probably the obvious follow-up is, where do we go from here? Where do you think legal marketing is headed? What do you think Edwards-Wildman is going to do to try to stay ahead of the curve?
2: Yeah, well, everyone's trying to find the next big thing. Mm -hmm. We're all looking for a way to differentiate ourselves from the competition. A more personal approach to interacting with clients and prospects is becoming much more critical, as we Mm -hmm. see by the number of lawyers using social media to communicate. And I think new technology like Google Glass will become more common. And and Mm. what do we do about that? You know, how can we possibly prepare ourselves for all of these crazy things out there that our partners (laughs) in technology come up with? You know, I'm no futurist, but I know that we will, we'll figure it out. And hopefully, Edwards Wildman will figure it out before the competition.
1: (laughs) If Google Glass is not made less creepy, I'm going to have to move to a cave somewhere. (laughs) Because seeing these people wearing glasses without actual glass in them, it just trips me out too much.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen people? Do you know people who purchased Google Glass?
1: Oh, I do. I don't hang out with them anymore.
2: (laughs) No. (laughs) Good, good. All right. Just checking.
1: (laughs) Well, I think this has been a very instructive podcast, Jennifer. So thanks for taking the time today. Unfortunately, we're at the end of yet another episode of the Legal Toolkit. But remember that you can check out all of our shows at legaltalknetwork.com. So thank you, Jennifer O'Leary of Edwards-Wildman-Parmer, LLP, for taking the time to speak with me today. Now, Jennifer, can you tell our listeners how they can find out more about Edwards-Wildman?
2: Absolutely. They can go and visit edwardswildman.com or they can find us on LinkedIn or Twitter at Edwards Wildman.
1: Thanks again, Jennifer. Check out Edwards Wildman's uh, tremendous rebrand and we'll talk to you again next month. Thanks for listening to
0: Legal Toolkit, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join Heidi and Jared for their next podcast, covering the current business trends for law firms. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes.